Today we're continuing our series of sermons entitled Love One Another, in which we're looking at how we are instructed in Scripture to treat one another, especially to treat one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Scripture is very clear that we are called to live by a different set of rules than the world. We cannot live as the world lives, and especially that's true in our relationship with other people and our Christian brothers and sisters most especially. Today we want to consider one of the next of these requirements that are part of loving one another, and that commandment is that we serve one another. I want to begin with reading the words written by the Apostle Peter, as found in 1 Peter chapter 4, the 10th verse. Hear now this, which is the word of the Lord. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. May God add his blessing to this reading of his word. So far in this series, I've talked about how as Christians, we are to love one another, forgive one another, be kind to one another, comfort one another, tell the truth to one another, and pray for one another. And in every case, we have seen that the primary reason we're told to do these things is because Jesus first did them for us. He loved, he forgave, showed kindness, comforted, told us the truth, and he prayed for us. In all these cases, we are told that we must do the same, especially because Jesus has done it for us. So today we want to look at how we are instructed to care for one another's needs, to serve one another. As Peter writes in this scripture passage, we are to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And like the rest of his commands, Jesus did more than simply tell us what we must do. Jesus modeled it for us in his relationship with his followers. In the 15th chapter of the Gospel of John at the Passover Supper, Jesus is preparing for his own arrest, trial, and crucifixion, and we are told about a most unusual event that occurs. And I read to you now from the 13th chapter, I'm sorry, the 15th chapter of John, starting with the third verse. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And after a few more verses where Jesus had to make Peter understand, because Peter was sometimes kind of thick, we find, again, uh, picking up in verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. We need to understand that in... The time of Jesus, when people wore sandals and they walked in 
uh, dirt streets where there were animals, donkeys, and all sorts of other animals, a person's feet got especially dirty. And yet, when you entered someone's home, the standard blessing that they would offer you to greet you into their home was to have the lowliest of servants in their house to wash your feet, to wash off all of the dust and whatever else, uh, as someone said in our Bible study, you might have stepped in. And so it was the lowest of servants that would wash the feet. And yet Jesus chose to do that for his followers, even as he is recognized as being Lord and Master. I think it's especially important that we recognize here that we're told Jesus, and I quote, knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So, in other words, because of that, he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist, and then he proceeded to wash the feet of his disciples, the role of the lowliest servant. In other words, when Jesus was most aware of his authority, when he was vividly aware of his intimate relationship with God the Father and the fact that he would very shortly return to the right hand of God the Father in heaven, his rightful place as the Son of God, right then he chooses to perform the most humble act of service to those who rightfully should have been concerned about serving him. And when he finished, he told them very directly that what he had done was to set an example for them, that they should do likewise for one another, to serve one another even in the most humbling of ways, and that the sign of true spiritual greatness was a willingness to be humble and serve. Even more, Jesus told his followers that this willingness to be a humble servant was the key, the secret to receiving blessing. He said, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. A while back, it became very popular for Christians, especially young Christians, to wear bracelets or necklaces or bumper stickers that simply said, WWJD. Have you seen those? It stands for, what would Jesus do? And I really like that. Exactly because I think it's the right questions that we Christians should be asking ourselves in almost every situation. What would Jesus do? And in this case, in answer to the question, what would Jesus do? The answer is that Jesus would go out of his way to serve those around him, even though he was Lord and master of the whole universe. He showed us as a model for our behavior that he was willing to humble himself and serve others, even as he was most vividly aware of his own deity and his own power that God the Father had given him. He tells us to serve the way he served. That's also the message that the Apostle Paul brings to us in the second chapter of Philippians, when he tells us we are to be like Jesus, that we are to act toward others as Jesus acted toward us, that even while Jesus was God, he chose to become a servant to help us. The passage from uh, Philippians, the second chapter. Carolyn, can we bring that up? Paul writes, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility... Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. 
in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Again, Jesus modeled for us what it means to serve. And if Jesus, who was the divine Son of God, through whom all things were made, could humble himself to the role of the lowliest servant, then what are we called upon to do? One of my favorite characters is Henri Nouwen. Henri Nouwen, if you know the name, he was a Dutch Catholic priest, a professor, a writer and theologian. Nouwen wrote 39 books, authored hundreds of articles. His books have sold over 7 million copies. He's been published in more than 30 languages. And his writings have been listed as among the most popular spiritual writings for both Catholics and Protestants. And in fact, his, one of his most popular books, The Return of the Prodigal Son, was ranked number 66 of the most important Christian books of all time in a survey in 2014. For about two decades, for almost 20 years, Henri Nouwen was a lecturer at the University of Notre Dame, Yale Divinity School, and Harvard Divinity School. He could have done anything at that point in his life. Henri Nouwen could have picked up the phone and called any institution, any, any university, anywhere he wanted to go, they would have welcomed him. And yet, for the last 10 years of his life, Henri Nouwen went and lived at a center called La Arche Daybreak Community in Richmond Hill, Ontario, Canada, where he cared for people with severe disabilities. In fact, while he was at Daybreak, Henri Nouwen was paired with Adam Arnett, a man, a young man who had profound developmental disabilities. Adam could not speak. He could not move without assistance. He had to be fed and cleaned by someone else. He was frequently gripped by seizure, seizures. He was completely unknown. And for 10 years, or for most of the 10 years he was at large, Henri Nouwen lived in the room and served Adam Arnett in that way. Fed him, cleaned him, spoke to him, and the response that Nowen had was he described Adam as being, and I quote, my friend, my teacher, and my guide. Nowen said that it was Adam who brought him to a new understanding of his faith and what it meant to be a beloved one of God. Nowen cared for his personal needs, for Adam's personal needs, and believed that through that process of serving he, Nouwen, came face to face with the suffering Christ and he understood then how every life is important and everyone has a purpose. He wrote about his experience in a book called Adam, God's Beloved. What would it take for all of us as Christians to do what Henri Nouwen did? To see Jesus in the people whom we can serve? The people in the world who need us and whom Jesus wants us to care for. To see the suffering of Jesus in the needs of another person 
Because remember, and this has been a major theme for our church, Jesus said, as much as you have done unto one of the least of these brothers of mine, you have done it for me. He said to Henri Nouwen, as much as you do for Adam Arnett, you are doing it for me. Mother Teresa, at one point, a reporter who came and saw the work early on in her career, saw the work that she and the Sisters of Charity were doing in Calcutta, and the reporter, a Western reporter, asked her, how can you do this? How can you stand it? You're going out into the streets and you're gathering up these people who suffer from horrible diseases, leprosy and other diseases, and you're literally physically picking them up and carrying them back to the center and washing them and putting them in bed and feeding them and caring for them quite often simply so that they have someone there when they die. And they said, how can you do that? And Mother Teresa simply said, oh, it's not that hard, really. We simply have to say, it's all right, Jesus. I'm here now. It's all right, Jesus. I'm here now. As much as we have done unto the least of these, we have done it for him. Now, other people like Nowen and Mother Teresa are called to dedicate their lives into full-time sacrificial service to those in need. And God may not be calling you to that kind of commitment. But we all can do something to help and serve those around us. The people who work in our kitchen so very hard to feed people who don't have food in our own surrounding community nearby. They are serving others. The church we're working with in Mascala, that every morning they're getting up at 5 o'clock in order to make sure that they have breakfast prepared so that when the children who walk by their church on the way to school can come in and sit down and have eggs and bacon or pancakes and syrup, fruit and milk and juice. And they do that five days a week. We all need to find some way for us to provide service to others. It is not only what Jesus told us to do, it's what he told us would bring blessing into our lives. And you don't have to go very far to do that. One of the ways that I think we can provide service to others is by simply how we treat others. Do we treat them with respect and with care and with concern? How do we treat our housekeepers and our gardeners and the custodial staff of our church and other people we know that are in service industries, waiters and waitresses? One of the ways we can serve is by simply being grateful, appreciative, and supportive. Do we treat these people as equals or do we treat them as servants? I have seen too many gringos treat their gardeners and housekeepers like servants when in fact they should treat them as blessed friends who are serving them and caring for their needs. The writer Dave Barry, the comedic writer Dave Barry, as a celebration for his 50th birthday, he wrote a list of the things he said it took him 50 years to learn. Some of them are very funny, like never lick a steak knife, (laughs) and others, never, never ask a woman if she's pregnant unless you can actually see a baby coming out of her body at that moment. I had a colleague who asked a client, so when are you expecting? And she said, I'm not. So you have to be careful about that. But one of the things, there's also some real insights into this. And one of the things that Dave Barry has in his list of things that took him 50 years to learn was a person who is nice to you but rude to the waiter is not a nice person. 
Everybody's nice to celebrities. Everybody's nice to somebody who has a position. People are nice to me when they know that I'm the pastor. But are we nice to the people that serve us? The waiters and the waitresses and the gardeners and the housekeepers? Do we treat them as though they deserve to be served as well? That's one of the simplest ways we can be of service to others. Because you see, we are called to serve every day. And God will bring into our lives opportunities to serve. It may be nothing more than a kind word. It may be that God is calling you to spend your life in service to someone like Adam Arnett, who can do nothing for himself. And in the process, God wants to bless you in that. Some will serve in grand ways to change lives or save lives in an extraordinary act of compassion. Others of us will serve in quieter, less dramatic ways, perhaps just by being compassionate and gracious to those around us. But we are all called to serve, as Christians especially. It's simply a matter of choice. We choose to do that. So what will you choose? Will you serve others as Jesus commanded us and as he modeled for us? Or will you try to expect that others always serve you instead? I choose to serve. Amen.